everybody. Welcome to the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. And as a reminder, we're available on all podcast platforms, so be sure to rate and subscribe. Andy Martinez here with Tony Andracki at Sunny Sloan Park in Mesa, Arizona. Tony, it's a big day at Cubs Camp today. Billy Williams is here, a couple of roster moves. Tell us about what's been going on here at Cubs Camp. Yeah, it's always awesome anytime you have Billy Williams around, right? Like, he was around a little bit yesterday, Sunday, for a bit, and uh, he actually addressed the team today. David Ross said he wanted Billy Williams to, to talk to the team, give a little bit about his perspective. So as a, almost the entire roster was out there stretching and warming up, especially the position player group, uh, Billy Williams was just talking to the guys. And Ross was like, you know, of all the guys to watch, games with of all the Hall of Famers like Billy is the best because of just the way he sees it and he gets more caught up into like how he views the game and his perspective versus even using like analytics or terminology or anything which obviously there's a place for but like Billy Williams played in an era where that wasn't a thing so like to hear his mindset and and how a Hall of Famer watches games now uh, I think is always really cool and so David Rush just wanted him to to chat with the guys and I mean you know he's one of a few legends that have been around like Rick Sutcliffe has been here Ryan Sandberg Andre Dawson Fergie Jenkins as well so anytime the Cubs can get that they take full advantage and like you said too I mean uh, they cut roster by eight guys so uh, all all kind of obvious choices right guys that we thought were going to start in the minor leagues but trims the camp to 66 now yeah the eight names Braylon Marquez left-handed pitcher catcher Bryce Windham infielder Esteban Quiros infielder Chase Strump infielder Andy Weber infielder outfielder Jared Young and outfielders Darius Hill and Jonathan Perlaza like you mentioned not too many of a shocker. Jared Young away with the WBC, playing yeah. for Team Canada. He's not too far. He's actually at Sloan Park yeah, working right, out, so right, he's right. away, but uh, away, here. but not <laughs> yeah. away. Good, good point. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's a lot of names like you mentioned that I don't think anyone should be surprised by, but I also don't think that rules them out as they're never going to see action for the Cubs. We saw Kiro's last year play for the Cubs. Yeah. We've seen Braylon Marquez play for the Cubs. Jared Young Jared got his Young, call up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's there's definitely opportunities, and Darius is one of those interesting guys that. You know, left-handed bat plays in the outfield. Theoretically, could if things break a certain way, could could play some meaningful games for the for the Cubs. Yeah, he could. Uh, you know, like you said, he checks a lot of boxes that you could for a backup or a fourth outfielder. Can play all three outfield spots. He was part of that prospect group that like 12 to 14 prospects the Cubs had come up in September with. You know, Matt Mervis was a part of that. I think PCA was as well. Pico Armstrong and some of the other guys. Darius Hill was part of that group. So I mean. The Cubs obviously think highly of him. Uh, they did not add him to the 40-man roster this winter, but still, yeah, maybe he's a, another guy in the future. But yeah, you know, I'm you know I've been impressed. Like Perlaza looked pretty good this spring and stuff too. So um, I'm sure we'll see some of these guys at some point. But yeah, for right now, it definitely made sense. And honestly, it kind of starts in spring. About every week now, we'll see anywhere from maybe like four to as many as like eight to ten guys get cut as the Cubs trim their roster before opening day. Yeah, 66 ro- 66 players on the roster right now. The, the, the list will go down to 26 at some point. Speaking of outfielders, though, the, the big news out of Cubs camp has been Seiya Suzuki and, and his injury and what kind of comes next. So, Tony, what does come next for the Cubs and Seiya Suzuki? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And to be honest, like probably the biggest question around this team over the next month. Uh, the problem is they don't know and they might not know for several weeks because right. they need to let the pain and the inflammation in Suzuki's left oblique heal. And once they get to that point then maybe they have a better idea of a timeline but obliques are really tricky and we talked to Nico Horner who in 2021 he missed six weeks with an oblique and it was a little different so Suzuki's happened on a swing Nico's happened more on like checking a swing and it, and it kind of grabbed on his right side the opposite side of the body and so 
Nico felt fine, you know, six weeks, he recovered, came back, felt fine. But as you remember, he only played like four or five games, whatever it was. Then it happened again on check swing. He missed the rest of the year. But he thought he was good. It, obliques are just very tricky. Um, and I think the Cubs want to make sure that he is 100% healthy before he comes back. Say it does as well. The benefit is this happened before a month before opening day. So a lot of time to recover in there. But in all likelihood, he's probably missing a couple weeks of the, the beginning of the regular season, maybe a month. We're not 100% sure about all this. But how do the Cubs feel after? They bring a non-roster guy like Mike Tockman onto the roster. Is it, you know, Darius Hill is not going to make the team now. But, like, you know, is it Ben Deluzio, who's away at WBC as well? Does he make it as another outfielder? Like, or do they just have Trey Mancini, who's been playing a lot of right field, Patrick Wisdom, or maybe some of these other guys as options? Morel, Velasquez, Velasquez also in the WBC. Like, how, how do they fit this puzzle together and we don't know but we're getting a little bit of an idea now it's a total trickle down effect right because if you move wisdom to right field then that really opens up third base for someone like nick madrigal zach mckintry etc etc if you move trey mancini there then that opens up the dh so it's a a total trickle down effect but the 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 cubs are much deeper in their roster construction that they were in the last few years right where you have options this injury would have happened seven eight months ago you're kind of wondering yeah who plays right field and then if you move wisdom to third base who plays third base it creates a lot of question marks now there's the question marks but there's a lot more options and answers for the Cubs which I think is a healthy sign of the roster construction that Jed Hoyer and the team preached this offseason I absolutely right like whenever guys went down in the last couple years like you said there was a question of who was coming up but you knew that you were going to be missing something for sure now Suzuki is one of the best players on this roster there's no replacing him right he's probably you know like their cleanup hitter definitely starting right fielder uh a star, you know, yeah. I mean, him, Dansby, Nico, Hap, I'd say of the four position players, like those are the guys that are closest to being like stars, quote unquote. So, yeah, there is no replacing him. But moving Mancini, which I think seems the most likely course of action right now, he's played a bunch of right. He, he has in the last couple of years. He's been getting over the cancer diagnosis from a couple of years ago, too, that that sapped a full season. Um, but he's getting his legs under him. He's still only 30, about to be 31. Like, he can definitely play out there, and for only a couple of weeks, it's like a little bit of patchwork. That makes sense. Like you said, it clears up DH, but I think it also clears up some time at first where yeah. Hosmer's probably playing only against righties. So against lefties, you could easily slot in, like, Wisdom at DH, or sorry, at first base, and, like, Madrigal at third or Edwin Rios or Zach McKinstry get, get a start or something, too. It definitely opens up more options and more doors but i gotta be honest i've been pretty impressed by mike talkman the palatine native chicagoland kid he's been really impressive in spring he's been playing good outfield david ross has been impressed he said he's been an even better outfielder than he thought but good speed hitting the ball well and we know he has power because he's already shown it with the yankees in 2019 some familiarity with the organization cubs director of hitting justin stone and talkman have been working together since 2016 so um there's definitely a lot to like there too and another like left-handed bat so I am really curious to see about him and and a guy like Deluzio you know some speed right-handed bat we, we talked about in the last podcast but these are two guys that I think are, are going to make um, a strong case to possibly being included on the opening day roster yeah Talkman's a really interesting one too because like you mentioned he had that good season 2019 and then 2020 kind of happened and he was for lack of a better term in no man's land right and and then he goes to Korea and has a pretty good season out there in Korea we've seen plenty of players who have a good season. Adrian Sampson in Korea come back and, and have a good, you know, they kind of fix things up or get some confidence playing out there and have some success. Talkman could be in that boat that it creates a lot of interesting options and it, it gives the, the Cubs more depth in the outfield. And somewhere where they have a lot of depth is the catching position. Yeah. Tucker Barnhart, Jan Gomes, 
we're kind of ba we're talking about the the doom and gloom for lack of a better term. But the Cubs threw a no hitter on Friday, and Tucker Barnhart had a ton of fun with that, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He uh, so normally it's. I'd say pretty commonplace to have bottles of champagne. You had this awesome story yeah. on it last year about how, you know, Wade Miley got these nice Ace of Spades bottles of champagne for Nelson Velasquez's first game or first hit or like yeah. these these moments that a lot of guys had. Uh, or no hitters, obviously, was a good example right. of that. So instead of that, because it's spring training, it doesn't count, even though it's the Cubs' first no hitter in, in spring history, Cactus League history. Kind of counts. It, it, it does. So Tucker Barnhart wanted to celebrate it, but not like really celebrate it. So we got sparkling grape juice yep. for the two catchers, Jan Gomes and Luis Torrens, who caught it. And then pitching coach Tommy Hadovy and bullpen coach uh, Chris Young. So we got bottles of sparkling cider for them and then he got them all watches so the catchers he got matching spider-man watches and for the uh the coaches he got mario brothers watches yeah so uh yeah that was pretty great like that i mean barnhart has just brought a level of like levity to this and i i think i've been just impressed like obviously that was a fun moment but to a man I th these guys are talking so much about what barnhart brings as a catcher he's a two-time gold glove winner right. the way he calls a game we already know that Gomes, you know, the Cubs have thought of him as a catcher on the field for a while. Now you add a guy like Barnhart into the mix. That's to me has stood out of my like couple weeks down here as one of the storylines that I wasn't giving enough probably credence to in the offseason yeah. as like Barnhart being a huge signing. I, I actually feel that like outside of Dansby Swanson, Barnhart might be like the most important signing yeah. that the Cubs had this winter. And the way everybody talks about him, it, it you know, I think the Cubs are just going to love they're catching tandem and they have a strong potential to get the most out of their pitchers and you know I'm just really curious to see how that plays out especially with some of the younger arms but then even to see if a guy like Adrian Sampson or whoever else can keep it up and maybe overachieve so to speak some right. career numbers because they have these two like gold glove caliber catchers and, and that's the thing about catching nowadays right you don't need the super offensive uh, firepower from the catching position we seen yeah. we saw it last year with the Astros they won the World Series with Martin Maldonado yeah. who was a definitely a game planning and defensive first guy the pitching style loved working with him but he, his offense wasn't necessarily quite quite up to the standard and, and we've seen it 2019 the Nationals Jan Gomes was the catcher for, for them yeah. so it's definitely having that relationship is really important and, and we're seeing that with Tucker Barnhart we're seeing that with Jan Gomes it's been one of the questions that probably went into spring that I think is getting really really answered to your credit to our, to what we've seen and what fans are starting to see now is that yeah the, the these relationships matter and we're seeing that speaking of questions though there's plenty of questions heading into the season something yeah. that we're highlighting on marqueesportsnetwork.com we have our 23 for 23 series 23 questions for the 2023 season one of the ones that we just answered that we will be answering the third base battle yeah we touched on it a little bit but I mean that with the before Suzuki's injury, I think that was the one spot in the lineup on the roster that was the biggest question mark. Not that they didn't know who it was going to be, but in ter or that they didn't have a clear cut option. But that there was there's so many options that someone's got to take that role. Yeah, really. I, I mean, that that is the area that David Ross identified, like you said before yeah. Suzuki, as this is the one spot where there's a position battle among yeah. like the everyday lineup, fifth starter spot, bullpen spot battles there for sure. But yeah, the Cubs have so many options, and I, I think it's. I don't want to necessarily say it's easy, but it's probably a little easy to take a guy like Miles Mastroboni and, and maybe remove him from that list. He's right. Cubs acquired him in a trade from from the Rays last year in November, so he hasn't been on the roster long, but he is on the 40-man. He still has options. Probably more likely he starts in, in AAA. He's a little bit more of a second baseman, has played, I think, around 65 career games at third in, in his career. 
Uh, a guy like Christopher Morrell, we talked last podcast, maybe a little more likely and probably best thing for his development that he plays every day in AAA versus playing sporadically or playing all around the yep. field, you know, in the big leagues and, and not knowing when the playing time is. So I think that kind of gets down to like magical wisdom we talked about already. And then Zach McKinstry and Edwin Rios and those four guys combining and to, to factor into the bench spots, the DH spots, all of those guys can play other positions as well. But I just think uh, I've been really impressed with Madrigal so far, and I've I've been pretty impressed with Edwin Rios. He yeah. hasn't done a ton in spring games, but the one homer he hit went, I don't know if it landed yet, like <laughs> it went a long way, and he looks pretty smooth at third, like just overall and in drills. So Rios is a guy, and, and you even pointed out when they signed him, like they guaranteed him a big league deal right. after he was on the, the free agent market since like November after leaving the Dodgers. So... I think there's something there with Rios. I think he's a guy to watch and, and continue to see. And, you know, I'm just really curious to see, like we said, over the next three weeks, like how third base shakes out. But I think Madrigal and Rios are, are kind of emerging a bit. And then Wisdom will be on the roster for sure. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the position battles we'll still be seeing the last few weeks. And you touched on another one, the fifth starter battle, right? At the yeah. beginning of camp, David Ross said it's Adrian Sampson, Hayden Wesneski, Javier Assad, and some NRI guys. It's quickly developed into Sampson, Wesneski, and Assad. Tell us a little bit about the fifth fifth uh, fifth starter battle. Assad's away on WBC duty with Mexico, or he might be here. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like we like we mentioned with Team Canada. I did see him this morning. He is still here, okay, but he's so leaving he's, very soon. Yes. yes. So so you know he'll he'll be away from the team, but still competing at a high level. That that that's another battle we'll be watching this spring. Yeah, for sure, and I I think that's also like a really interesting battle that's going to get even more interesting as time goes on. And Wesneski's pitching today here Monday. Uh, Cubs are on the road against the Mariners, who he pitched against last time, and he had a funny bite that the first batter he faced this spring was Julio Rodriguez, yeah. one of the <laughs> bright young stars in yeah. today's game. And he said, I thought Julio would have been a little bit bigger. And, and so he was, you know, kind of laughing, but he's like, I don't try to size everybody up. But, you know, he was just saying in general that he, uh, he, he really appreciates this opportunity, but he always feels like he has something to prove. And yeah. he feels like that again this spring, but he just has a He's an interesting guy. He has, like, a good head on his shoulders. It seems like he would be able to handle if they did send him down to AAA. He'd be able to handle that. Uh, he also is making his case. I mean, he looked yeah. really good. Four strikeouts against the Mariners in his debut. Obviously, we'll see how he does today. But, like, he's looked really good. Aside, getting up to apparently touched 96 the other day as part of that no-hitter. So he has four shutout innings where I don't think he's a lot of hit, just a walk so yeah. far. Uh, his velocity, obviously, has increased. Both these guys are 25 the more and more time goes by, the more we see them in spring or otherwise. Certainly seems like they're going to be probably long-term pieces of the rotation. To me, I still think it's Adrian Sampson. I yeah. think the track record, the fact that he has like 140 innings the last two years with the Cubs of just over three ERA, like a 1-1 whip. He's been very effective across the board. And last year, his stuff, his velocity even ticked up a bit compared to 21. So I think... The Cubs owe it to themselves to see what they have in this guy, a guy who's been around, like you said, Adrian Sampson in Korea too. But, like, I think they owe it to him, and he's probably earned a spot. So as of right now, if you had to ask, like, I think Sampson gets the fifth starter, but I really wouldn't be surprised if Wesneski or Assad make it as well. And either way, they're going to make starts this year. I guarantee it. Yeah, they, we've seen it before. We've seen plenty of – every team – you can't just – you have your five-man rotation, but it's unrealistic to think – we're going to go through 162 with just these five guys. It's 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 unrealistic. It's not going to happen. You need other guys to make starts. Wesneski, Sampson, aside, will all probably make starts for the Cubs at one point in the season. And I'm with you. Sampson, I think, is a clear-cut runner just because of what he's done in, in, in the past. 
the roster construction in terms of Wisniewski and Assad have options. Wisniewski could benefit maybe even from some more seasoning at AAA yeah. along with Assad theoretically. And, and Samson has, again, like you mentioned, has really earned the spot to do it. Given what he did in the second half of last season, given what he's done every time, I mean, it's easy to count him out as like, yeah, the, he's not he's not going to be able to do it. Each time he goes out there and proves that, hey, he belongs on the on a big league roster and he, he can pitch at the big league level, which I think there's something to it. And I'm with you on the side. The side kind of is in that same boat where, I mean, I think if I if you would have told me at the beginning of spring it's those three guys, I would have ranked them Samson, Wisniewski, and Assad as like a long shot third. Same, yeah. It's kind of throughout spring it's been like, all right, Assad keeps kind of pushing his case and, and making, like, hey, I'm still in this battle. I'm yeah. not I'm not going away easily. And that's kind of what he did in the second half when he came up. You were like, don't know much about this Javier Assad guy. What's he going to do? And he pitched well, low three ERA in his big league time. I think, he, like you mentioned, he's he's proven that he's going to be a big part part of the rotation moving forward, and he'll be pitching in big games for Mexico. Yeah, he will, and I'm really curious to see that WBC action and how that affects him yeah. too. It, it, you know, I assume he'll pitch well, but like just that experience and and like he has a chance to showcase on a really a, not even a national but an international stage right. too. So what he has, what he's capable of, uh, it's I mean it's going to be more intense than a spring training Cactus League game for sure. Like Marcus Stroman compared to I mean it's 55 to 60 thousand people in some of these stadiums and he said it's the closest thing you can get to baseball playoffs without being MLB playoffs so it, you know it's set essentially maybe like the second highest competition in the world so yeah. Assad's going to benefit from that I think the the downside the draw to that is the fact that the Cubs aren't going to see him so he's right. competing for a spot in the opening day rotation and he's going to be gone for for two maybe three weeks so and he's going to have several outings there and I guess I don't think we still know whether he's going to be a starter yeah, or he, reliever. he mentioned he mentioned earlier in camp that he didn't know if he was going to be starting or relieving that the rotation's pretty stacked up top Taiwan Walker and Julio Rios yeah. for Team Mexico so and, and they only get four guaranteed games so maybe he gets a start kind of don't know what role he'll fit into yeah and i mean it's obviously a really really awesome thing that he gets to go pitch for his country but i do think that just logistically it hurts his chances a bit for yeah, making the fifth starter. Sure. when you have wesneski and samson here cubs can see them with their own eyes ross hadavi hoyer like the front office and coaching staff can see them with their own eyes can continue to work on them see them in bullpen i, I feel like it's kind of down to those two guys but then you know maybe Assad goes out and shoves and it's yeah. just awesome in the wbc and and then he comes back and has another outing or two before the regular season you're like it has to be this guy so i i i mean I'm going to be watching this really closely. I feel like every time Wesneski starting today, Monday, and Samson starting tomorrow and Tuesday. So going to be really curious to see how it plays out. But, I, again, I still lean Samson. Yep. Um, and I just think, you know, he still has something to prove for sure. But, like, I, injuries are going to happen. The Cubs used, I think, 14, 15, maybe 16 starters last year and 12 in 2021. Yep. Like, these guys are all going to make starts. And Ross keeps pointing out whether you're on the opening day roster or not, you're going to be used this year. And I think, like, all those guys are definitely going to be out. Yep. And to that point, the Dodgers, who had the best record in baseball last year, I believe they had 10 guys who made at least five starts or something like that yeah. last season. So you, you need that depth. You, there's going to be plenty of guys that, that make starts. And, and it'll be interesting to see what how this, this time helps those guys as they get ready for the regular season. We're going to talk some more roster battles, some more – a little bit more WBC – but we're going to take a quick break from our, to hear from our sponsor, Wintrust. Get your Wintrust exclusive debit card. Get your Cubs card. Ooh, I'll take one. How much? Actually, they pay you $300. 
You heard right. Get a $300 bonus when you open a Cubs checking account with Wintrust. Enjoy all perks and purchase with pride every time with your Wintrust Cubs debit card. $300? What? I'll take $300. $300? $300? Get your exclusive card at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. Only $100 required to open. No monthly minimum balance and no monthly maintenance fees. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. Welcome back to the Cubs Weekly Podcast. Andy Martinez here with Tony Andraki at Sloan Park in sunny Mesa, Arizona. We were talking a little bit WBC beforehand with Javier Assad and, and the yeah. fifth fifth starter battle. Matt Mervis is a, is a guy who will be going to the WBC playing for Team Israel. What's kind of the plan for him? I, I think before the Trey Mancini and Eric Hosmer signings, you kind of thought this guy has a chance at first base. Where does he kind of fit in now with the Cubs? Yeah, I, I think the chance of being on the opening day roster are pretty unlikely at this yep. point. Uh, definitely, I, I don't think it's a zero. I, I That would be kind of silly to say at this point, but pretty unlikely because, like we said, I mean, Mancini and, and Hosmer are both there. You have these veteran guys with these pedigrees and track records and, you know, guys who have been part of winning. Hosmer won a World Series, and Mancini was obviously um, part of the the – Astros World Series last year but like part of the Orioles team and like the rise of the Orioles last year before he got traded too so like they've been around a bit they've been through a lot it's really hard to envision Mervis taking either of their spots or taking a spot over those guys and then back to the same conversation we had with Assad when Mervis is kind of fighting for a roster spot and he's gone for a couple of weeks it does impact his status here now long term he's going to be getting a lot of value out of playing in the WBC for yeah. Team Israel. He's, Ian Kinsler's the manager there. Right. Like He's going to learn a lot. I think Jock Peterson's on the team yep. too, right? So like, Mervis is going to learn a lot. It's going to be an awesome experience for him long term. He probably wasn't going to make the opening day roster anyway, just based off these signings. But uh, but yeah, I think you know it'll be really cool to see him in the WBC on that national international stage. And when he comes back, I, I expect him to be up this year. I, I don't know when injuries might happen maybe the Hosmer thing doesn't work out he's on a veterans minimum essentially but I think Hosmer his defense is is paramount and something Ross has come back to uh before a bunch that like you have a legit four-time gold glove winner at first base that like you have this great infield defense but you know that you have a like a real solid first baseman right. like just throw the ball anywhere and I asked Hosmer too he's like yeah I just try to communicate to guys like just get the ball to me as fast as you can and I'll figure out the rest right. scooping leaping whatever it is so I think that that is you can't understate that impact on the defense regardless of what he provides with the offense both him and Mancini good clubhouse guys so Mervis probably not in the picture maybe not even April I guess we'll see how it plays out but the Cubs have been really impressed he's been really patient he's taken several walks off of lefties and worked good at bats in spring training games he hasn't hit a ton in games but I mean he's still he's had some hard hit lineouts and flyouts and stuff and then in batting practice Ross has been talking about how he's like it just it it has like a different sound he's been impressed even with the sound that Mervis has the ball coming off the bat so he's going to be a factor I still think he's legit I think he's definitely going to be like a part of the the Cubs moving forward Uh, maybe a huge piece at the very least like a platoon role player but and that'll probably start at some point this year just just not sure when right now yeah and I think the thing with with him for the WBC is He's in a tough group where the Dominican Republic has so many major league guys, Sandy Alcantara, the yeah. bullpen has sat, Gregory Soto. Like, he's going to face some real, like, real big league pitching, not not fringe guys. Like, he's going to be facing some of the game's best pitchers. That'll only help him long term, seeing some of those guys that when he gets up here, it's like, okay, you know, I've seen what this guy can do. I've yeah. seen what some of the best major league pitching looks like. I won't be too worried about that. 
like you mentioned, being around the, the veteran presence of someone like Jock Peterson or the manager like Ian Kinsler will help him long term too. There's also a chance that he could just force his issue, right? We don't know when he, he comes could. up, but if he keeps mashing, pun intended, <laughs> Mash Mervis. if he keeps mashing in the minor leagues, it's going to be hard to say, hey, like we, this kid's hitting home run every other game in AAA. We, we, can't, we can't just keep him down there. He can force his issue too. I think the thing with him too, like you mentioned, the veteran presence with Trey Mancini and Eric Hosmer, he's only been in the minor leagues really for two years, right? Yeah. 2021, he struggled a lot. Then 2022 was the big breakout campaign. I don't think it hurts him to spend some more time in the minor leagues, seeing some different pitching, getting some more seasoning down there can help him in the long run. As frustrating as it could be for Cubs fans when you see how great of a season he had, I don't think it's the worst-case scenario for him to, to do that. And I think it helps having Eric Hosmer and Trey Mancina that you have that cover at first base, Patrick Wisdom too, theoretically, yeah. that, hey, they're not going to skip a beat if, at first base, which was a real struggle for the Cubs in 2022. So I think... For those reasons, for a lot of uh, outlying factors, I think it, it benefits Matt Mervis to start in AAA, and I think that's most likely where he will start. Another guy who's really interesting, has been having a really stellar spring, has been David Bodie, right? Oh, yeah. Incredibly hot spring. He was he was taken off the 40-man roster in the winter. He's got a guaranteed contract. Where does he kind of fit in, and is, do you think there's a shot that he makes that opening day roster? Yeah, I would say it's pretty unlikely, too, just for everything you just laid out. The fact yeah. that the Cubs took him off the 40-man roster, they designated him for assignment in November uh, to clear room on the roster overall. You know, guys were coming off the 60-day IL like Hendricks right. and Hoyer because during the offseason you can't have those guys on the 60-day. The um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I think it was a numbers game. They wanted to clear up spots, obviously, for some of the younger prospects that Brendan Davis is of the world who, who needed to be added to the 40-man this winter. And also just to sign free agents, to add other guys. And we talked about it already. Third base and second base are his two main positions. And it's a crowded picture with yep. six guys in the mix at third base already on the 40-man roster. Like, how do you add a guy, uh, take a, somebody off the 40-man roster and add Bodie on? That's really tough. Right. Second base, you have at least Nico, at least Nick Madrigal, and then Morell is also in the mix. And then, like we said, also Miles Mastroboni. Right. So at least four guys. Oh, and Zach McKinstry. Yeah. I, so five guys on the 40-man roster who can also play second base. Those are his two main positions. I, I don't know how you remove a guy from the 40-man for him, even if he's hitting, you know, he's like 8 for 13 so far in spring. Yeah. He's mashing. David Russ has called him the MVP of camp. Yeah. Uh, and, and keep in mind, too, the fact that, like, last year he was coming off major shoulder surgery. He yeah. didn't even get to play and start his rehab until I think it was, like, June. And so that was a pretty big deal. Uh, maybe I think maybe he started in May, sorry. But, like, still, he, he was only able to play about 45 games in the big leagues. And then the shoulder injury impacted him a ton in 2021. Obviously, 2020 is a shortened season. So, like, he hasn't had, like, a quote-unquote normal healthy year since 2019. So there's something to be said about that. He is only 30. He, uh, like you said, under a guaranteed contract, he's still owed, like, over $10 million of that $15 million five-year extension he signed in 2019. So, um, you know, still probably be in the picture. Maybe the Cubs trade him after this hot spring. Maybe he's just a, a guy that is in the minor leagues in case there's multiple injuries or right. an injury or two. So um, path to playing time, path to opening day roster is really difficult right now. But, you know, more props to the guy for hitting like over 600 in spring yeah. and being like their main source of offense. Yeah, and I think one thing that stood out to me with this hot spring was a quote that David Ross said early on in camp before games even started. He was asked about the impact that when you're looking at roster battles it's a spring performance has versus a track record of proven success in the big leagues in the past 
And he said, quote, I think it's very much you learn performance in spring tra training doesn't carry a whole lot of weight. I mean, track record does matter. I think you try to look at setting the team up for long-term success as well and the player for long-term success. So essentially, they don't put a whole lot of stock into spring training results, right? Because yeah. we know how wonky spring training can be. When the players had a proven major league track record of success, they're more willing to look at that as opposed to, you know, a few hot games in, in spring. It's no different than in the regular season, right? Where if you have a hot stretch of games, that kind of doesn't reflect who you are as a player. I think Jim Deshays uh, on our Marquee Sports Network broadcast has mentioned it plenty of times that anyone can be better than Mike Trout for a week, right? Yeah. Anyone could have a, a week that Except they're better. Except for like you and I. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I should, yeah. Any major league yeah. baseball player can no have offense. a better week. Yeah, no, <laughs> none taken. Any major league player can have a better week than Mike Trout. Does that mean that they're better than Mike Trout? Probably not. I think that's the, the main takeaway to look at is you got to look at the whole picture. You can't just look at a small sample size. I think that's a, that will kind of fall into it. And like you mentioned, I think it's going to be hard for, for David Bodie to make a roster. Not totally impossible. I don't think anything's ever impossible in this game. But I just don't I, I don't think it's it's a very likely outcome. Mm -hmm. One of the, the last position battle we want to get to, and I think this is something that probably will turn into a weekly segment, is the yeah. bullpen. I mean, there's so many names, so many spots, so many people competing for so little spots, excuse me. What do you make of the, the the bullpen battle? Who are you keeping an eye on? What are some of the names that have impressed you? Yeah, I, to be honest, I like you said, there's so many names yeah. that really any day the Cubs have four to maybe even six relievers that are like all pitching after the starter, yeah. and you're like, yeah, this guy could has a path to the opening yep. day bullpen and all that kind of stuff. I think what I'm watching in particular, you know, I. Brandon Hughes only one spring game so far, but he's he'll be ready by the regular season. Cubs are just being a little cautious with his workload after uh, seeing a, an increase last year. Uh, I think Keegan Thompson, Adbert Alzali, both in the bullpen, Brad Boxberger, Michael Former, the two veterans they added in. So those five, and then really you know three spots up for grabs beyond that. And and I think um, what I'm watching most of all is like I, I think Rowan Wick. You know the Cubs gave him money avoided arbitration but like you know retained him this off season and he struggled at times he had a very up and down 2022 season but he's been a pretty big part of their bullpen when healthy the last few years and and I think just watching him how he continues to to handle the spring I think he still does have a minor league option but like I to me I guess I kind of see like opening day bullpen or bust kind of mindset yeah. with him um so I'm really curious to see how he continues to transpire. I, I do expect him to fit one of like fill one of the final spots in the bullpen, but still watch him. And then Julian Merriweather is another guy that they added this winter. Claimed him off waivers from the Blue Jays. He's been hurt a ton in his career, but he's got a, a heavy fastball that he throws at like 96 plus. Cubs have been working on mechanics to keep him healthy. And you know, talking to Merriweather and Hadavi a bit about Merriweather, like it seems to be a guy that is flying under the radar, but could be a interesting guy. I mean, he yeah. was in the closing mix before he got hurt in Toronto, I think either last year or two years ago. Uh, so it, he's he's definitely a fascinating guy that I don't think he's getting enough credit or attention right now, but one that I'm watching. And, and I really think the Cubs like something there when they claimed him in, uh, I think it was in January or December off of waivers, that I, I do expect him to make the, the roster as well. And then that last spot, really, it, it could be a non-roster guy. It could be another lefty they signed maybe in camp. Jed Hoyer kind of teased he wouldn't be surprised if they signed another lefty. Right. And then uh, Elias, Roanis Elias. Yeah. Am I saying his Ruinous first name? Roanis Elias. Roanis Elias, sorry. Yeah. Uh, he was really impressive before he left for the WBC. Give up some runs, but 
swing and miss type stuff and he was awesome in winter ball so yeah. a guy another guy with track record back to your point so I, I think he those kind of are three guys to watch and you know especially ones obviously in the WBC but there's a we 10 other guys at yeah. least that could be part of the equation so I'm, I'm looking if you're watching on video on YouTube or on the Marquee Sports Network app I'm looking at the, the names that we have on our list you didn't even touch some of them, right? Michael Rucker, yeah. Adrian Sampson, theoretically, if he gets moved to the to the bullpen, and, and Hayden Wozneski or Javier Side get the fifth starter spot. Uh, Jeremiah Estrada, Tyler Duffy, Mark Leiter Jr., Ma uh, Manny Rodriguez, Natoli Barucki, Horn, Stout. Like, there's yeah. so many guys, and I'm with you. Every time I see them pitch, I'm like, yeah, there's a path for this guy to, to, yeah. to make the bullpen. Is it realistic when you actually look at the big picture? Maybe not. But that's that's kind of the luxury that the Cubs have with their bullpen arms, and we've seen it before, right? David Robertson last year in camp, you're like, what does this guy really have? He's coming off of injuries and didn't pitch much, pitched in the Olympics. Like, what does he really have? Yeah. And he became the, the team's closer and was one of the best relievers in baseball. And he's the result of that Ben Brown who's throwing today is here, top prospect. Exactly. Yeah. So what I'm saying is if you're watching these games in the seventh or eighth inning and you see a guy who's maybe throwing well, Maybe don't overlook him because yeah. he could be the, the next big thing for the Cubs in the bullpen. Yeah, and I again, going back to Ross's point, which I think we'll continue to hammer home and reiterate, is it's not just about opening day two. It's yeah. about other guys in the future. And, you know, Manny Rodriguez was taken off the 40-man roster this winter, but he's a guy that can still touch 100. And we've seen, yeah. you know, he got three, five saves, something like that last yeah. year. Mark Leiter got three saves as, after he came up and struggled as a starter, moved to the bullpen, and has some, some that split finger that's really – good against both lefties and righties like good stuff in there and then yeah some of these other guys like even Ben Leeper you know coming up some like guys that um are not again not even necessarily non-roster guys or signings this winter but also younger guys coming yeah. up Denny's Correa as well can touch 100 101 yeah they have a no lot of WBC young arms guy. yeah right so like that'll maybe hurt his stock a bit I you know I think he probably still has some seasoning in the minors too but a lot of guys are in the mix, and, and I think we'll see some of these guys throughout the year, too, for optionable arms or just other guys in the bullpen. But Cubs have a lot of really – I mean, Nick Birdie, for example, too, Tyler Duffy, these guys yeah. have some track records and some, some good stuff, you know, that they have good numbers in the big leagues as well. So uh, really, really fascinating to see how it all plays out. But a lot of these guys, again, I think will be a part of the equation. And the way the Cubs ideally want to build a bullpen is a, a bunch of young arms continually yeah. coming up. So that's why we didn't see maybe a ton of signings in the bullpen this winter, but they'll probably continue to, to add some of these non-roster guys either opening day or throughout the year. Yeah, and, and I think as we've learned and as I think we'll continue to see, check back on the Cubs Weekly Podcast every week. Although the names will be trimmed down a little bit, we'll kind of have a clear picture as we get near opening day. But that's kind of the fun of spring training, seeing, yep. seeing that kind of process unfold. That'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app and YouTube. For Tony Andraki, I'm Andy Martinez. Thank you for listening.